Joe Orth and I are starting a podcast. What should we call it? Hey, don't pick on me. You know why? Because this is why. Well, let's see what he says. The Joe Show. <laughs> Give Joe the business. That's right. Cup of Joe. Cup of Joe. What is happening here? Would you listen? We'll give you a chance. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> That's Joe. That's Rooster. And this is the Together We Shall podcast, episode 14. What's happening, man? Another day, man. Another a hot one. Goodness gracious. Yeah, it is warm out there. I don't know what that's all about. Something something changing in the environment. Oh, wait, that's a whole nother podcast. We're going to get into that. What, what's happening for you right now in your life? <laughs> uh, moving forward, day by day, work personal life oh and graduates pre-k tomorrow so that's cool picked up a a cake this morning and it's like been kind of hard not to want to eat it but i know the like severe repercussions if i like tried to like sneak a bit of icing from the back but uh that's a big uh you know milestone tomorrow so that's that'll be cool and then next week embark on a uh basically a a week-long journey uh with uncle sam and his misguided children that's the marine corps for those of you that uh don't know or uncle sugar's magic circus shout out to him if he happens to listen to to this podcast when not doing his own podcast um a lot going on with the race series but races coming and going shirts i see you're rocking the sunset shirt so those of you that are making the trek to Lake Charles, the medal this year for that is awesome. I'll just leave it at that. I'm sure Christine will display that soon. And you? Doug, about, definitely. Uh, sunset's going to be fun. We're about a month away from that. And she's Christine's looking for a sellout. And for anybody that doesn't know what we're talking about, go back and listen to the episode with Christine, episode three. She talks about how Sunset 5K came to be. And I think she's on track to like have you know five, 600 participants and over 1,000 people in there for that party. So it's going to be a blast. But I, I've been... Um, Gosh, man, Lori and I spent a weekend together, just got off the grid and focused on one another. It was super fun, awesome, um, very, very um, just refreshing. And it was all wrapped around the idea of Memorial Day. You know, I saw a lot of chatter out there for Memorial Day this year. There's a lot of like, hey, let's not um, let's not forget why Memorial Day exists. And kind of in some cases, even a little shaming for people having barbecues and fun. And I felt like that that was a little bit too much. And I get I get where it's coming from. But I was, I was like, what what is my role in this? And at the end of the day, all I could think back was to deployments and how I felt during deployments. I was loving the Marines I was near. I was loving the mission we were doing. But frankly, it's all a countdown to get home. I mean, we all have clocks, like T minus 12 and a wake up. And I started thinking, like, I'm not deployed. I am home. And I don't have a countdown. So I'm going to focus my energy on being present with Lori and, and just honoring their service of the ultimate by loving my loved one like they would do. And, and once I leaned into it that way, man, it became so just... Every moment was beautiful. We we did everything from sit by a pool to get on the boat to go watch Top Gun. So I'd be remiss if I didn't say the word Top Gun in the episode after the episode. Um, did you see Top Gun? I, d- I did see Top Gun, man. And, and I still have the need for speed um, and the need for a bar in my life called the Hard Deck. And I am uh, one of the furthest away from a, 
an aviator or aviation marine uh, there was. Even though my hair is getting there, my hair, my my old line company, you know, roots of, as an Intel guy are are starting to get there. But yeah, I'm with you, man. There's a lot of like odd chatter this year for Memorial Day, and, and I don't know if it's like the first one since the you know the Afghanistan withdraw and, and situation that happened there but like i found a post i don't remember what platform and i shared it uh, that was like you know they want you to barbecue they want you to go on the boat they want you to sit by the pool they want you to go to the movies that's like that's the whole honoring right that they made that sacrifice we are going to live our life to the fullest because they're they allowed us to and you know I, I think it was maggie years ago was like that's that's what the families want you know as as I, you know, talk to the likes of, you know, Maggie Sticklin, you know, over over the weekend and, you know, other uh, family members of friends that have fallen. It's like they're, yeah, they are sad for sure, as we all are, but they're, they're barbecuing and on the boat and going to see Top Gun too, because that's what their son or daughter would want. So I, I hope at some point, like, we as a nation can move past that. And, and I tell Leanne every year, it, it's my favorite holiday because I, I get to extremely honor those you know you know soldiers sailors airmen marines that weekend like a little bit more than i do every day and you know their families so i i don't know it's my favorite holiday i did all those things minus the boat but i did have a, a little uh raft dinghy thing in the pool so that was my that was my boat for the weekend yeah and all of that kind of ties really into this idea of I don't know. How do we know how we should act? And how do we know what we're supposed to do? I think ultimately it's like follow your instinct, you know, and surround yourself with, with people that have good kind of perspective and differing perspectives. And that's really a good tie to our next guest or our guest for this episode as we get Darlene uh, a chance to start talking with us here. But, I, you know, I met her through all of the work that I had an honor of doing with the Travis Mannion Foundation. And, and the essence of their mission at TMF is to take the, the Gold Star families and to blend them with the veterans and to bring them into one circle, into one family. And there's perspectives that I was able to learn during that journey uh, were just amazing. And one of the things that really touched my heart was as I made a post about what I did for Memorial Day, it was those Gold Star family members that I've met that liked it, hearted it, you know, celebrated it, almost like validating that I made a good decision to go forth and execute that way. So I don't know. It, it was really great. But um, I, we've asked Darlene to come on and we're going to we're going to introduce her now. Um, just she's fun. But she's got perspective and she's got all kind of great things. And she's never um, technically been part of the Angels, Angels of America family, which makes her the first guest that we've had from outside the family. And as we lean into this kind of season two, if you will, of, of, of episodes, um, I think we're going to start doing that more often. And it's because of perspective. And it's a chance to introduce her to more of what we do, but also for us to introduce her to our family. And so, Darlene, I'm just going to stop and say welcome to the show. We're excited to have you. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm excited. I'm honored to be, you know, this first round. I, the only reason I haven't been part of the Angels Angels family before is opportunity um, since, since we first met, which wasn't all that long ago. Uh, and so it's something that I look forward to in the future, definitely. 
Yeah, we welcome you to the family. Effective, effective today. You know, you're on the podcast. You know, don't... <laughs> oh, <laughs> you're <a> man. <laughs> but, but anyway, so um, I would I would start it with like uh, tell everybody where you are and just a little bit about yourself. Thirty seconds or so to kind of shape it up. Um, your thirty, your elevator speech for who is Darlene and, and oh, geez. Who is Darlene? Let me try to keep that us in short. Um, well, I'm a holistic wellness coach and a certified personal trainer. I've got a bunch of other alphabet soup that comes along with that. Um, and I'm one of the very few fitness professionals in the world that has a master's degree in applied positive psychology, which is the application of the study of human well-being. Uh, and so I live in kind of this unique overlap of the fitness industry kind of the wellness industrial complex uh, and the science of human well-being. Um, you, you know, you'd said a moment ago about perspective. That's my current top character strength. I know you talked about character strengths uh, a couple of episodes ago. Uh, so I was like, all right, good. I know, I know why I'm here. <laughs> I'm here to, to bring that lens. Uh, Cause I think there's a lot of, you know, I, I love what you do. I love the episodes that I've had the pleasure of listening to in terms of bringing the applied piece, right? It's like, we can talk about the theories of well-being and what makes good life, but but you got to do it for it to work. And there's so much right that you are bringing out into the world. And so to get to, to come and talk about it is a real pleasure for me. So thanks for having me. A handful of weeks ago when we were talking about uh, the future guests and, and you mentioned Arlene and, you know, you're like, oh, I met this, you know, this lady at their TMF and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, got the website and started looking. I was just one mind blown at the, uh, I'll use your term, Starling, the alphabet soup of, uh, <laughs> of, of education and certifications. Uh, and obviously that's like a huge compliment. But as I started looking through all that and, you know, on the website and reading more about you and there's something on your website about like building the life that matters or, or something. Right. And I was like, yeah, that's, that's what we all should be doing. Right. And it made me realize couple weeks ago that I'm potentially not doing that, that I know I'm not doing that to the fullest. And so that's something I definitely need to start. You know, to me, life and living and, and what I do is really about how can you build a life that builds not only your own well-being, but the well-being of the people around you, the people you interact with, and serves your purpose with meaning in whatever that means to you. Um, you know, and I would say, I don't, this is the first time I'm meeting you, Joe, but knowing Rooster, like that's a paragon example of someone who has taken all these different components of, of life and living and put them together in ways that serve deep meaning. And while, you know, Rooster, I met you at the end of your Spartan Leadership Program process. So I don't know who you were before that year, but certainly what I've seen of you since that year, you know, you pick it up and run with it and you walk the talk so deeply. Um, so yeah, Joe, thanks for Thanks for sharing that. I just pulled up the website, right? You know, how I don't know why I'm telling you this. You did your website, right? But so for the <laughs> listeners, right? How to build a life that truly works for you. And I think that goes back to like what Rooster used to in one of his presentations, you know, over the years of finding your normal, finding that life that works for you. Yeah, 100%. And what y'all are talking about, and, and Darlene, the stuff that you said up front, you used a lot of, um, yeah, I'm not going to say big words, but you used a lot of, well, and that's, I'm not disrespecting you. I make so, words good with my mouth hole, Rooster. <laughs> you do really well with it. It flowed very, very nice. The idea of using psychology not to focus on what is wrong, but rather to focus on what is right. 
And that ties into this this mental health awareness thing that we went through in May, where everybody, where we're making people aware of the need to to normalize a, a, this idea around conversation and and getting ourselves in a place where we can talk publicly and freely about our mental health. Which, by the way, is the reason we brought you in June because we want to continue that to be a consistent theme every day, every month to to, to do that. But it's it when we used to think of psychologists back in the day, like such a negative connotation. And so you flip it on its heel and you fix your perspective to look at it differently, to focus on what is right. Can you elaborate on that? I know you can, but can you elaborate on that? Yeah, let's, let's dance. Um, So the absence of the bad is not the same as the presence of the good, right? I think we can all agree that I could, I might, I'm going to use my own example. Um, Ivelar Stanlow syndrome. I had times in my life that I struggled to walk and I could get myself, you know, enough physical therapy to be able to be functional, but that's not the same as being as athletic as I want to be. Right. So I mitigated the, what was not well at the time, but that's not the same as flourishing as being able to be who I want to be to the fullest extent of my potential. So the absence of the bad psychologically isn't the same as the presence of the good. We might, you know, treat depression, anxiety, bipolar disorder, like pick your poison there from the DSM and bring someone to a neutral gear. But if I just sit in neutral in my life, eventually you are what we call languishing. And there is a lot of people out in the world right now who are languishing. They're not finding meaning and purpose. They're not tied into community. They're not experiencing a depth and breadth of positive emotion and all of the beautiful things about what it can mean to be a human being, Um, which I think it's really important to then include that that doesn't mean that we pretend the bad stuff isn't there, right? We find ways to experience the fullness of humanity through its entire spectrum. Um, If we just pretend the bad stuff's not there, we refer to that as toxic positivity. And so positive psychology is not about denying the struggle, but it's about embracing that and choosing to facilitate as many different factors of the good stuff as possible to cultivate it. Like I garden, I'm going to cultivate it just like I do my pumpkins and tomatoes. I'm going to go out of my way to craft uh, a physiology, a psychology, a lifestyle, a community, a network who are invested in what is right in humanity because ultimately that's what's going to get us through to who we have the potential to be. And so to me, that's what positive psychology is about. And in my case, it's mostly around lifestyle and how we go about living our lives. It's like, I feel like I, I'm a student. Like I t- <laughs> took some notes, like more... You know, right, more for, for, for me, and I guess this is probably why TMF and, you know, a veteran service organization um, and you work together. And a lot of that stuff that you said, like, as I mentioned earlier, like, start to physically transform and haircut and shave for a week-long evolution with 17 other Marines. Like, these are things that, like, during downtime that, like, bring great conversation. And a lot of the, you know, Marines are, are younger, right? The, 19 20 year olds that and we're reservists right so outside of our one week in a month or this case week a month uh it, they they kind of sit in neutral you know and they work odds and end jobs and you know i'll take a semester off from school and that leads to a year off from school and like but they're not doing anything in that time to to move forward they're just Holding. sitting in neutral so that's i wrote that down that's 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 awesome. I can't wait to use that this week. 
Well, it's one thing I love about, I know Rooster in the past has done, uh, char- character does matter, right? You do character does matter with Marines, um, which is a Travis, I'm sure you've said this on the show before, right? It's a Travis Manion Foundation program using the values in action character strength survey to talk about what is what is the potential that we all have in the best of humanity. And so it's 24 ubiquitous characteristics that we all have that we could cultivate or there are some that we do naturally right is that perspective is my top one right now love of learning is always in my top five like I want to know things and then I want to integrate them and then I want to share them with everybody uh but even knowing that that exists for somebody who doesn't naturally focus on what's right with them right how often are we taught that self-development is about like figure out everything that's wrong with you and then fix it and that doesn't actually work but if we can be bringing that into people's lives in a useful way, not only for ourselves, but for one another, right? If I can look at Rooster and I can be like, love is in your top five. Love is in your top three, if it's not number one, right? And how, how good does it feel to have someone who cares about you be able to see that in your heart? And that then becomes a leverage point for community, for growth, for caring, for integration, for every aspect of what it means to live a positive human life. Yeah, very well articulated. In fact, we're, we're going to put at the in the description of this episode, I want to put the VIA character survey link in there. And we have talked about this on the podcast before, and I've encouraged people to take the survey, but I'm going to do it one more time because it is an opportunity to identify what our strengths are. And by no means does the survey say that if, if love or forgiveness is at the bottom 24 of your, that's just not saying you're weak at that. It's just saying you're not leaning into that trait, right? Have you ever paid for the full report? I have not uh, paid for the full report. However, I did pay for the full book, which is the yeah. power, <laughs> the power of character strengths. Um, appreciate ignite up here, and my character strengths cards are right there. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Um, the so reason I, I say I, that I, is when you pay for the full report, it will give you like your score out of five, where you scored on that thing. And I've seen people's reports where. They're like five out of five on the top three, and they're like a 4.6 on their bottom. It's like, you're not, it's not that you're not using it. It's that it's not like it's low ranked. It's that these things are just so core to your being that they percolate to the top, but you can be living all 24 of them absolutely every day. But for everybody that's listening, it's like, what are they talking about? Again, there's a link in the description that we invite you after this podcast to go fill out the link. It's free. You can fill it all out. And then they're going to just help you see how your character strengths are racked and stacked today. But I also want to point out that it's a snapshot in time. And then you now have the opportunity to lean into those lesser used strengths over the next six months and then maybe take the uh, test again to see how you did. And Darlene, that ties into kind of when I met you. So I, I, I started the TMF journey in like April of 21, um, having taken the test of via surveys a couple months prior. And then over the course of the journey, I intentionally leaned into forgiveness because it was 24. And I went through this and, and that's when I met you in person in November. And I told you the whole story about how you lean into forgiveness and you really come a long ways with it. But then you are betrayed despite your best effort to lean into forgiveness. And you introduced me to the concept that's been around for a long, long time. But for whatever reason, I never let it stick in my head. And it's called boundaries. The idea that if I'm going to say yes to some things, right? If I'm going to make this space in my life for the things that are right and good, there's also got to be some things I say no to. 
and I can have compassion and grace and forgiveness for someone that has hurt me for myself and, and do so at a distance because that thing doesn't belong in my life. And actually to share a very, very current personal anecdote, um, this morning I woke up to an email from somebody that I hurt, emotionally hurt through some really stupid behavior in my twenties, 12 years ago, have not heard from this person in over a decade. And it was an email that began with her framing it of being about forgiveness, but it was actually very clear that she's still very angry and hurt and wounded. And 12 years later, she is still thinking about some stupid shit I did in my 20s. Ooh, can I curse? Do you want me to backtrack? <laughs> okay. Um, and ooh, I cannot hear you. It was my fault. And it's probably good that you couldn't hear me. So anyway, you cool. said shit and you said, can I say shit? And I said, you can say shit, say shit again. And then I was like, let's have Miller time. But then you oh, we can have Miller time. I'm ready. I'm yeah. so ready for Miller time. Are we doing it? <laughs> yeah. Miller time. We're doing it. Ladies and gentlemen, we're at that point in the podcast where we invite you to grab your favorite beverage. And it can range from... Miller time things. It can be, I don't know, monster energy drinks. It could be water. And if you're tube fed, you know, hey, come on, caregivers, hook, hook a brother or sister up. Everybody participates in Miller time. And just to be clear, Miller time is not a sponsor of the podcast <laughs> yet. We interrupted all of that with this jackass sure. that is cursing in Miller time. But let's go back to the moment where the friend said, where you could sense that it started about forgiveness, but you could sense that there's still some anger. Go ahead. Yeah, that there's still some anger and resentment and, um, and, and frankly, lashing out, right? Like, who do you email that you haven't seen in a decade and you say some things that are meant to be hurtful? And I decided to respond, but I decided to respond from a place of appreciation for an opportunity to reflect in myself and how much I've grown in a decade of recognition and hopefully the recognition this person was looking for. And then also boundary setting, right? This is the last email I'm going to send to this person. And if they continue, like, like that's an opportunity for me to reflect, but it's also an opportunity for me to go bubble, right? Cause now I can forgive myself in this dynamic and I can wish this person well, and now I'm going to make space for the good stuff. And to me, that's, what boundary setting is about, right? Like I can't have things that are special to, I just got married uh, three weeks ago. I can't have things that are going to be special to me and my husband. If I don't have things that I then say no to, to other people in the world, then you can include in that bucket, whatever your imagination says. Uh, but that's what makes it special is that we are each other's person. I'm not everybody's person, right? And so to me, that's what boundaries is, is about what we say yes and no to and being able to create space for what we want in our lives. Rooster, you mentioned, like, take the survey and then six months go back and, and see. So now I'm curious from uh, Darlene's perspective, what does it really take to, to have a, a balance of all 24? Yeah, I think that's an interesting question. I think it's also important to advocate that via character strengths, it's not a, a sponsor your podcast, right? Like we're not saying go off and pay money for for via for the paid uh, services, but they do have a ton of free resources and exercises there as well. Uh, and I think it's important to recognize that the goal is not necessarily to have all of them be your top, right? The goal is to learn about yourself as a tool for reflection and then continue to be curious and develop and grow and to bring the things that you want more of directly into your life. Um, so when I think back, I've been taking it every six months for since 2018. So 
and and it's been really interesting to see as I went through divorce, went through grad school, started my own business, fell in love with Matt, like getting married, like all of these different touch points in my life. I see them change and reorder in these really interesting ways where perspective was actually really low for me four years ago. And now it's my top strength because of the introspection and worth I did on myself and professionally, right? The goal was never to make perspective my top. Um, actually, I was really disappointed that like curiosity was lower than I thought it should be. And I tried to move it up and I found that it didn't move. But it's like, because I don't think of it as curiosity, I think of it as learning, right? It's just what my brain does with the information. I, like I say, I don't think the goal is this like perfect embodiment of all that's right in humanity. The goal is like, Joe, what's going to build a life that fulfills you and serves your greater purpose in the world and facilitates well-being in those that you care about and and. And if we're all doing that, isn't the world better? I'll, uh... <laughs> Go ahead, man. I want to play so bad. I love this talk. <laughs> That's so much stuff I want to say. I'm hollering over the microphone. Joe, though, please. Go ahead, man. Mindset, being heavily involved with, you know, these character strengths and then, like, nutrition and then the physical aspect. Like, me, who has... I would say an average human's nutrition level and, and maybe the same thing fitness level. But then now like I have to add in this mindset thing and character strengths. If I am trying to like build that perfect lifestyle, it's overwhelming. You know what I mean? Like what, I guess I'm like, I feel like I'm at the like psychologist's office, right? Like, I guess <laughs> I that's that a, a psychiatrist. It's like the, the couch. Yeah, yeah. Either. But like, how do you like balance heart mind soul type of thing like how how do you how do I, I do it in my life yeah. um well first th you said something about the perfect lifestyle like step one let that shit go i'm not trying to be perfect i'm trying to actualize on a person on a purpose that evolves as i evolve as a person you know perfection is such a dangerous concept for any of us to embrace. And I don't think that you personally are necessarily trying to do that, but as a person who grew up as a perfectionist, like straight A student had to be a high achiever. It was the way that my young mind thought that I could get love. I had to learn to let that shit go. I, I do always want to be like the best version of myself, but I also know that I could be a lot better and probably and in every element, right? Cause I'm not perfect. Right. But uh, after buying a Peloton, I forget which, not a sponsor yet, um, which uh, instructor, uh, probably all of them said, progress, not perfection. And like, I heard that one day and was like, damn, that makes sense. Where was that 30 some odd years ago in my life? I teach a lot of self-care workshops and wellness Wednesday, you know, lunch and learn type of things. And, and one book I almost always recommend in those is The Paradox of Choice by Barry Schwartz. Um, if you've ever heard anything about the studies where they have all the different jams at the grocery store, and if you have, you know, 25 jams, people can't choose which jam they want because there's too many choices, and they're actually less happy when they get a free one than if you have, like, four jams, because now you only have three points of comparison for the thing that you chose, and then people are happier with their choice. Here's your free one, and it's easier for them to choose, and they're more satisfied. So we think that having more options makes us happier and actually makes us far less happier because we have more points for comparison with whatever we ultimately get. And as part of that research, Dr. Schwartz also talks about this idea of perfection. He calls it maximizing. That when we are striving to have perfect, to have the most, to have the best, 
there is a point at which without additional options and comparison points, we would have been satisfied. You would have been happy. But because you are striving for whatever you've seen on social media or this like projection of the optimal version of yourself, you end up never actually happy and satisfied. And then you're not actually enjoying all of your hard work and all of the things that you've done and achieved and like have in your life. And so he calls that satisficing. What's the point at which I would be satisfied with this thing? And I'm going to embrace that and then savor the thing that I have instead of projecting against this like optimized self that will ultimately not make me happy. And so I'm learning that and embracing that was also a big part of my own, like let go of the, the perfect Wonder Woman Darlene that was out in the world. I was going to ask what's up with the Wonder Woman. And I'm like, I, I, one day I'll get better at this. I'm pointing to your one, your Wonder Woman. And These are my favorite one version of the comics. And then yeah. I've got my, my Wonder Woman's there. Um, so what you don't know, Joe, is I am not a small woman. I'm six foot one, about 200 pounds. I'm a personal trainer, a former collegiate rugby player. Like, I hit hard. Uh, and so that comparison started being made uh, by other people in my 20s. And I'm, then I got to know the book and I got to really understand the character. I actually believe that Wonder Woman's most powerful superpower is love. Uh, and I feel very strongly about the character as, as an icon and as, uh, uh, you know, something to project for and against and to embody. And I use it as a tool for when I feel like I... Darlene is not enough to embody that thing that I need to be that day. Uh, Diana is a nice alter ego to step into. That's awesome. <laughs> He's, I saw Joe just like, Diana, who's Diana? You see what Diana Prince. Yes, well done. I love that. That's very well done. Um, wow, that's, that's cool. I'm learning new things. And what I will testify to is that Darlene is a... Um, a force to be reckoned with. I had when I first met her. I, I think we shook hands, and I was like, "Holy shit!" Like I'm, I'm a, I'm a fan of a firm handshake, Joe, and you are too. And I can't wait to watch you shake Darlene's hand because she, hey, she, she hits hard rugby. Like she, she shakes your hand. Yeah, and then and then as we got to know each other, I eventually got to a point where I was able to get a hug. There we go. She, yes. And that woman can hug, dude, just like a, a pure embrace. I felt like I was hugging myself. So My um, brother yeah. says my hugs are tackles made of love. I like that. That is the perfect way to describe them. Absolutely spot on. Well, um, I also, I kind of hit my brother when I hug him, but that's a whole different story. <laughs> yeah. For something makes me feel I was getting, I was getting struck um, a little bit too. So it, maybe, I, maybe in the moment there, I was your brother for a second. I don't know, but Absolutely. it was. It was You're my soul little, brother. <laughs> There's a lot of power there. Um, but yeah, so we, we had a chance to have a conversation that went on, as I alluded to earlier, a deep, deep dive in on a lot of different things. And I, I circle this back. I asked you to talk about boundaries, and I appreciate you doing that. Um, I hope for, the, for everyone listening that it really gives you some perspective on not only the power of the boundary, but also this this satisficing idea that, that Darlene alluded to, that you don't have to continue to seek you know, 20 different options to get to the right option. Just limit the playing field um, intentionally and find the one that fits. Um, instead of having 20 pairs of shoes, maybe you only need three. And, and over the course of the next year, you just work through those three. The other analogy I thought of, and I'm big on analogies to help people make connection points, is if you go into your closet and you have a lot of clothes in your closet. Well, somebody told me one day, when you clean your closet out, put everything back 
in their reversed hanger. And at the end of the year, all the hangers that are not that are still reversed, you probably don't need those clothes. And it's it's cool because I stopped buying clothes and shoes a couple months ago because I started realizing that why would I keep buying these things? Like why? Anyway, I'm going off on a tangent here. No, but it's a good tangent. So Barry Schwartz, the the guy who did that research, um, he only owns one style pair of jeans. He has maybe two or three pairs and he wears them until they wear out and then he buys the same jeans again. And he he also talks about pre-deciding. That you're like, okay, I'm going to give myself, you know, in a moment of peace and relaxation, I'm going to give myself maybe three options of things that I might have, right? Like there's four dinners that I get to choose from. And now there's no waffling or back and forth. Um, You know, you give yourself some bumpers on the bowling alley lane and you're going to throw more strikes. Such a, such interesting, so interesting way of kind of shaping that up, framing it a little bit differently in order to come to what could have been the same conclusion, but to get to the, get to the same conclusion in a much more, I guess, less stressful, direct manner. Um, really, really interesting. You, you, you know, during your journey, as you've traveled through the ups and downs and waves and circles of life, um, earlier you mentioned that you were, had a diagnosis, some, a syndrome that I hadn't heard of. How do you go from a point in life where you have a different ability or a disability that is limiting your ability to have a normally functioning body to actually like now being a certified physical trainer and one who has completed 5k road races. Like what's that journey and, and what role did like positive psychology play in that journey? Well, the funny thing is positive psychology, the science uh, didn't have a role in that journey because I didn't know that it existed at that point in my life. Um, so I mentioned that I played collegiate rugby lifelong athlete, high school, basketball, all the tall people sports, um, got recruited in, in college to play rugby and had never heard of it before, had no idea what I was doing, literally just was like new to campus and wanted a way to meet people. And the, the next day I was tackling people and I was like, oh, this is my sport. Like whatever gods intervened to put this person in my path and suck me into this team, like, thank you. Um, but I did not know at the time that I have a genetic disorder that affects the collagen that holds my joints together. Uh, so my connective tissue doesn't structured the way everyone else's is. Uh, and so pretty quickly, you know, my, my arches collapsed. Uh, I was dislocating my shoulder regularly and then just popping it back into place because I grew up in a really rough and tumble family, not knowing that almost everyone has this thing. And so they're all hurt all the time anyway. Uh, and so at this point in my life, pretty much in pain all the time. Uh, And reflecting back, I don't remember a time that I had grown into my full body that I wasn't just in pain. Like even in high school, I was in pain a lot of the time. I thought that everyone was in pain all the time and that everyone just deals with it. So I just dealt with it. And when I was 23, I was was married then to someone else. I was having trouble getting off the couch and I made a joke about like getting old and how much it sucks. And that man said, uh, I'm not in pain all the time. And that was the first, I'm like, you're not, what do you mean you're not in pain? Like you're not, like right now, you're not in pain. And he's like, no, like that's not, you need to go to the doctor. Uh, And fortunately he intervened in my life in that moment. And um, I was also very lucky to have a physician who had heard of the thing that we now know I have. Uh, And I had been misdiagnosed with other things before as the cluster, you know, I'm sure that there are many listeners on who will understand that process of having people who don't know that thing that you have until you find the one who does and all the puzzle pieces click into place. 
I was 23 years old and went through that prognosis process of being told, Ooh, I'm getting, I'm getting emotional rooster, uh, getting told you're not going to get better. And to be 23, to have been a collegiate athlete and be told you need to lower your expectations is the phrase the physical therapist used. She's like, you're not going to run again. You're not going to rock climb anymore. Like that's, you're going to have a sedentary lifestyle and you need to start to prepare yourself for that. So I fired her. <laughs> I went back to my doctor and I said, we have a problem. And I was fortunate that, that, that the orthopedist I was working with at the time specialized in collegiate athletes. So he understood that thing I was saying to him about like, I'm, that is not acceptable to me. When I was picking up heavy shit in high school, I did a lot better. So it wasn't like I could go Google it. You know, this was 15 years ago. And most people who have EDS aren't diagnosed that early. So I was very, very lucky for my circumstances. And intuitively, I just understood that if my muscles were stronger, wouldn't they help to compensate for the joint laxity? I was doing better when I was stronger. Let me go figure out how to get stronger. And so he helped me with splinting and bracing and all this other stuff. But along, but I went off on my own and just figured shit out because I couldn't find a physical therapist who believed that I could be that person again. And, you know, that, that Amazon Wonder Woman part of me, I genuinely thought at that point in my life, she, she died. Like that was it. It wasn't coming back. And so that five years when people in their twenties who are normally off, like being crazy and doing cool shit and traveling and going wild and treating their bodies like rental cars, like I didn't get that. I got, how many times can I dislocate my shoulder before I can get it to not dislocate anymore? I got, I can't sit on an upright bicycle because my like hip joint will start to subluxate and impinge a nerve, but I can sit on a recumbent bike. So let me go do the recumbent bike for 10 minutes until my legs feel like they're going to fall off. And very slowly just baby stepping my way into a level of functionality that I had thought might not be possible. And along the way, I moved to New York City. I quit smoking. My mental health got better. I was in therapy. Like all of these parts of my life that were falling apart, I started to put the puzzle pieces back together under the fear of what I've been told was my future. Um, and so five years into this process, a friend said, do you want to do a 5K with me? He didn't know about the EDS. Like I'd gotten to the point that people started to see it as invisible, which is huge. Um, and I hadn't run a step since college. So I did couch to 5k. It was hard. I ran my first 5k race. It was, uh, I was living in New York city at the time. It was in the West, the West side bike path. Um, and it was a fundraiser for, for schools, for um, schools that needed like books and stuff. And I, my time was terrible, but I crossed that finish line and I cried hysterically <laughs> because here's this moment of achievement of accomplishment of a goal that I have been told I will never have again. And it was like a nice, solid middle finger to that person who told me that. But thank God she told me that because it gave me this huge resolve. Um, and that was the point where I started to think like, maybe I could help other people like me who think they can't get better just to figure out how do you live with a body that's different than other people's. Uh, and so I started, that was the seed that started to transition me into the fitness industry. Uh, and from the jump, I wanted to work with other people with stuff. So you've had a catastrophic injury, you have a chronic illness, you have been told, you have an, a rare neurological condition that you're told you cannot get better. 
And the things that I have seen people's tenacity and persistence, when you teach them functional anatomy of their own anatomy and you go, I don't know how, like what the bandwidth is. I don't know. I can't promise you that you're going to get magically better. Like you'll get more better because you're moving, because you're caring for self, because you're integrating and more better is all it can offer. And people are like, one, thank you for your honesty, but also two, I understand what it's like to be in a body like that. And so there's a level of trust and care that it has given me. And I have said before, and I will say many times in the future, like having Ehlers-Danlos syndrome is my superpower because everything that I do now is a direct result of everything I went through when I was a kid, essentially a kid. That's solid. Boom. A, you didn't know any of that, Rooster. <laughs> no, I didn't. And I love it because so many people are going to be able to relate to all of that. Because you may not have EDS. You may just be in your mid-40s and use a CPAP to sleep and have diverticulitis. So you have to bring in a lot more carbohydrates to, art to get the right amount of fiber. And as a result, you gain 20 pounds. That's this guy, right? But, but, but through the understanding of the mind and the understanding of like, you still have the ability to do things as simple as go for a walk a couple times a day and to feel that movement, that's caloric burn. And then I, I can't help but think of my friends who use a wheelchair to navigate. And I'm thinking, well, they can't go for a walk every day. That's not true. Like they can go out there and if some of them can self-propel in their wheelchair or have a caregiver push them and maybe you can move your arms. Like movement is movement, even if it's in the, in inches and not miles. Yes. And, and, and that's, the, that's the bottom line. And through that movement, now you have physical impacts and as you've alluded to, emotional, mental impacts. So it really just comes back to this idea of the power of movement, right? Oh, yes. And, and the irony of like this road leading me to this place in my life, now knowing the science of the thing that you are talking about, right? Like I came into the fitness industry. I'm, I'm never going to put this in soft quotes for the people who are just listening, look like a trainer. Because I have a body that doesn't, I, you know, if I were to try to bodybuild, I'd end up like in stitches. You know, I'd end up in splints. It would not be good. And I've tried and hurt myself. But if I honor the physiology I have and I focus on my wellness and well-being, I cultivate a completely different understanding of myself. And now I know the science as to why. So the idea of like, you know, people ask when you're training, like, what's the perfect exercise? What should I be doing? Well, if, it's very different if you're trying to just take good care of yourself and foster a life of wellness than if you're trying to look super hot on the beach, right? And so when you're talking about like movement is movement, I hate the word exercise, Exercises are specific things you do to get specific outcomes. Movement? Go dance. You don't like running? Go snowshoe. Go hike. Go, you know, spend time in nature. And I can point to all of the benefits of what that movement will do to your physiology, to your neurology, to your neuroplasticity, you know, to literally your hormones and chemicals in your brain and body that will change your cognition, which then therefore changes your experience. And that is huge. And we know from everything from, you know, gravity share bounds and Parkinson's disease to little babies to dudes in their 40s with diverticulitis, like it doesn't matter. You are in a body and that body is a vehicle for literally everything you will ever do in the world. And you can use that body as a lever, a tool, and you can use it as a toy, a plaything, and enjoy your lived experience as a consequence.
And I'm, I'm so lucky to have been born into a body that functions differently so that I can have learned that lesson on a very deep level. You know, I have a bunch of shit to say, but Joe, it's your turn. You can participate. <laughs> I, well, I, I, mean, I, I want to start talking about sunrises and dancing and all kind of fun stuff, but Joe, go ahead. I mean, I feel like I could, like, I need, like, I don't know, a therapy session with Darlene that's, like, eight I'm hours a long. I really want to, I am not a therapist. Yeah, but clinicians and that's why I, like, pause on that wrong word, in the world. Like, Positive psychology practitioners focus on building the good stuff. So it's very yeah. important that people don't think I'm, you know, I'm not a clinician. But it's therapy for me to, like, talk to you. That's why I'm saying that. Cool. Because okay. I, my wife tells me constantly, like, it's not right that you're always in pain. And I'm like, all right, well, it's discomfort then. So I'm not always in pain, but I'm I'm always in discomfort. I got some back issues. That is what it is. But maybe it's, maybe it's not is what it is type of thing. And I just had a discussion with... Uh, my chiropractor uh two weeks ago about collagen and things so I, when you said that word i was like i know what that is i did it whatever two weeks ago um so i mean i i personally like i got questions for days but i i got your email address now so look out um but when we, rooster was talking about our friends in wheelchairs i couldn't help but think of like two for one and so for for you darlene who may not know or some of our listeners we have a you know, when you have a runner pushing a rider, we call them a duo team, right? We have a duo team that's a big part of our Angels Angels family um, where the young lady, um, hopefully they, they listen to the podcast and they'll get a kick out of that, the young ladies, um, one of which had a stroke and it's left or right, I'm not sure, uh, side is, is paralyzed. Um, I think it's the left. So she's in a wheelchair and she can, with her right leg and right arm, you know, propel herself. Well, her friend that pushes her is legally blind. So, like, they get out there and they've done ultra marathons together. They are wonder out- women. Yeah, and but they get out there and and they do it and they never complain. They always smile and like two for one. Hopefully, you listen to this, Vicky and Melissa. Um, you guys are a, an inspiration to to people far and wide and I'm, I'm glad to have met you and I'll see you in October at the Marine Corps Marathon and there's my Marine Corps Marathon pitch um, but we'll get back to the, the good stuff now with Darlene. Well Joe I first I want to just meet your pain with compassion like I'm sorry to hear that that's a thing that you are dealing with and I'm sure many people many listeners have their own stuff right people with stuff um, and at the same time I want to recognize like I have a chronic genetic condition that causes me discomfort on the regular, right? And there is a difference between pain and suffering. Pain is an experience in consciousness. Suffering is when I attach to the idea that I shouldn't be that way, right? Should, shouldn't, like the universe is indifferent. There's no value judgment to it. It just is. And so coming to the point with my own relationship with my experience and just being able to say like, okay, this just is as opposed to like, it should be some other way. Um, that was massively helpful to me. And I can't, you know, necessarily say it was massively helpful to anybody else. I, I really love that Darlene's answer was to to throw some compassion back to you, Joe. And it's just a testament to kind of how she rolls, like very quick to provide you the space to feel comfortable, almost to the point where opening up vulnerability. And we, we talk about vulnerability a lot in this, in this podcast. 
And, and I will say that through just being open and trying to find a life that is full of meaning and full of you having a chance to kind of lean into what makes you happy is really a way to get to this point of feeling comfortable of feeling the highs and the lows. And, and Darlene mentioned that earlier, this whole idea of, of the, the gamut and that feeling isn't always about like the depression or the dark feelings, like being okay with feeling the happy stuff and getting to a spot where you're okay with both that and the dark stuff helps you kind of navigate. And I feel like I'm rambling a little bit, but does that make sense? It does. And I don't think you're rambling. It makes me think about um, negativity bias, right? So um, we are the product of all of our evolutionary ancestors, right? Like that's how we exist. We are many generations of whoever came before us. Um, And if we go back far enough into that history, the humans that were aware of potential threats or like, oh, you know, Steve got bit by that kind of snake or this kind of plant is poisonous. Let's not do those things. Uh, That negative experience is educational. And so the humans that paid more attention to it were the ones that survived and had more progeny, right? Like, so we're the result of the evolutionary ancestors who were more cautious in an environment that was hostile, right? The problem is that now most of us have our foundational needs met most of the time, but we also evolved as a species to be focused on the potential threats. And that negativity bias shifts our cognition to focus on what's wrong. And each of us has, you know, a preset disposition to like how many negative things to how many positive things. So, right. So I might have a balance of like, it takes three good things to counteract everything that goes wrong. Or maybe it takes five, like maybe you're really focused on negative. So you need like five good things to balance out what goes wrong, just to feel neutral. But if we're out there hunting for the good stuff, if we're out there really cultivating an awareness of the positive aspects of human experience to combat that bias toward the negative, we can tip the scales in our own favor. But I think when people become aware of that, they can also then become aware of the ways in which that can get hacked, right? Like if I watch too much news, I feel the rocks in my emotional backpack of what would have been a good day if I didn't bother looking at my newsfeed. Um, and being aware of that about myself and choosing to make decisions about what I allow into my human organism and my experience to keep shifting it and then cultivating the things that are on the positive side. That's what it makes me think of. Yeah, that's, that's freaking spot on. I absolutely love that. And there's a lot of folks who say, well, I'm just going to get off social media. And I'm like, well, wait, is everything with social media wrong? I mean, maybe that's what you need to do for your boundary. But for me, I've found a lot of power in hitting the button that allows you to snooze people for 30 days. And I've found that if I just do that, my newsfeed suddenly fills itself up with a bunch of good stuff. And, and, and then 30 days later, this person may come back and they may have had a shift. And so now they're, they're finished listening to that megaphone in their ear that's all about how bad X, Y, and Z is. And now they're bringing some positivity back into my life. And if they don't, I can just hit the snooze button again. So why should I remove myself from the things that is the social media? Which, by the way, social media does give me joy. I love seeing love. I love seeing people happy. I love seeing life moments celebrated through social media. Gosh, our Ainsley's Angels family stays connected through Instagram and YouTube and Facebook and the likes. So why am I going to punish myself because others out there have such negative energy in it when there's an easy little snooze button? 
So I like that. I like that. That's kind of almost a little lightheartedness kind of way of bringing us as we circle into this. Darlene, you know that we could continue this uh, for some time, uh, and I would love to. And, and like a couple of other guests, I think uh, I'd love to have you back at some point, you know, maybe 10, 20 episodes down the road. And there was something that you mentioned to me, and we were talking, and you, I want to let you elaborate on it as we kind of transition to the next phase of the podcast, but Joe's Tornadoes are Upward Spirals. Yeah. What? Yeah. yeah, what is what is Joe's tornadoes or upward spirals? Joe, episodes 11, 12, like you talk about like the tornadoism of like pulling up and sucking up good stuff and around good people and the energy that you feel as you're crossing the finish line. Um, I think at one point, well, you said it multiple times in those episodes, but I think in this instance, it was uh, your guest who was the podiatrist who's crossing the finish line at Boston Marathon and people are screaming his son's name. And you're talking about that tornado of positive emotion, how it just lifts you up into this next level of self-transcendence. So Bill, uh, John Cock was that guest, and we talked about that, you know, um, and everything that him and his son are do. And we talked about the world majors, and I related it back to, you know, the, you know, the Godfather, Shining Fathers of Inclusion, Athletics, Dick and Rick Hoyt, and that's when we started talking about Kona and the one. Um, there's a clip out there, and, and I'll find it and send it to you just so you can see it, right? Where Dick is finishing. The, the Ironman World Championships, pushing his son, and he was the final kick. The red carpet's out there. It's a sprint to the finish, and his son Rick's hands are just flailing, if you would, with tornadic energy, if you, you know, type of thing. And it was, it's just, I gotta find it. I gotta watch it and probably go run now. Love it, right? Like that's that's a certified badass. That's that's uplifting to hear about what that must be like. Um, but upward spirals are based on, um, Barbara Fredrickson's research in positive emotion. And so to, to digress a little bit into the science, essentially, even negative or challenging emotional experience, it narrows your focus, right? You're going to focus on the threat, the bad thing, the problem that has to be solved. And it has what's called a single thought action tendency. So if I am afraid, my instinct is to run. If I am angry, my instinct is to defend my boundaries, whatever that may be. Right? These are one-to-ones. We can map it in the brain. You could see it in MRI studies. Barbara Fredrickson is this great pioneer in emotion research because we go back to this history of psychology wanting to be taken seriously, the traditional psychology is all the things that are wrong. She's like, yeah, but what about the good stuff? And people are like, the good stuff. We can't be taken seriously for research. No, she's literally researched the nature of love. And so in his, her research in positive emotion, what she found is that you don't have a single thought like fear, run. You experience joy. You want to explore your reality. You experience um, humor and you have a levity and a connection. So when you prime someone with a positive emotional experience, it changes their brain in a way that your cognition is now open to new experiences, you're more creative, you're more integrated, more of the brain lights up, you become more neuroflexible. So you can start to make connections that you hadn't made before. We actually can have a measurable decrease in racial bias after someone experiences a positive uh, or pleasant emotional experience. And so obviously these more powerful, pleasant, positive emotions have more powerful effects in cognition and in physiology. And so upward spirals are when you have multiple positive factors, multiple things that cause a positive experience to start to create a feedback loop. So, you know, obviously as somebody who's a movement person, some of the tools I use tend to be movement. So let's say I get somebody to like meditate 
and go for and run three times a week. Well, I know that running from the research makes them more sensitive to serotonin. Meditation is going to shift their mindset. Now I add a gratitude practice in there because gratitude is going to prime them to have to see more positive experiences in their lives. So that's the trifecta I start almost every client on because each of those things creates a greater sensitivity to positive emotional experience. And what I'm trying to do is prime this thing called an upward spiral where you have a positive feedback loop from multiple positive factors that that person starts to create this compounding positive change in their life that then trickles out into other areas through what we call the transfer effect. So I might start meditating, writing gratitude, going for a run a couple times a week. The power of that shift in my cognition then makes it like I'm sleeping better. Well, naturally, I'm sleeping better. I'm moving more. My relationships are going to improve because I'm not such a grumpy pain in the ass. Well, my relationships are better. I'm sleeping better. I'm moving more. Well, you're probably going to eat better. Your digestion's going to improve. Like all of these other things. Well, now I'm performing better at work because my cognition is improving. I better focus. Like all of these things start to shift. That's the compounding upward spiral. And that, that's that positivity tornado that you're talking about. This is exactly the type of content that I wanted in this podcast because it gives, it's, it's a, I can talk about joy and love and happiness and positivity all day, which I do. But like to throw a little bit of the science into it is super helpful to the person who wants to learn more about the joy and happiness and love and, and the why behind it and how you can foster it. And this story you told about like, if I do this and this, then I'm this, and then I can do this. And then suddenly I'm working better. And then I'm eating and then my relationships, like no shit. That's how it happens. Well, and, and it feeds to what Joe was saying about feeling overwhelmed by it all. It's like the reason that you nope. work with a coach on this is because I don't give you a checklist where I'm like, go do these 12 things and your life will be better because it's too many things. My clients typically change one thing at a time because that's how many things that most people can change at once and be successful. And we just make tweak, tweaks that they're ready to make. And then when they try to make a tweak and they stumble, we unpack the why underneath. One of the things I appreciate about Ainsley's Angels or the Travis Manion Foundation is through your work, you're doing it anyway. You didn't need the science of positive psychology to know the things that you know to do the work that you're doing. Sure, the science is cool and helpful but you were doing it anyway that's why i love it it's my this is my jam you know what i, I got, got enough time. he's in charge <laughs> we're done this was good yeah we're done here <laughs> uh the structure of this building has reached its capacity find your people and if they make you feel sexy even better to all our listeners don't forget at the end of october Angels Angels is an official charity partner of the Marine Corps Marathon. So if you would like to <laughs> ride or roll, email joe at ainsleysangels.org.